merging and moving their headquarters to Jerusalem, and they're going to change their name to Netanyahu. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <laughs> well, I thought that was funny. Anyway, um, the good news is next week you won't have to put up with my jokes. You'll have Josh's jokes to put up with. Um, I'm going away. I'm ministering with Bill Newman down in a place called Dubbo. Anybody been to Dubbo? Um, so I'll be down there. There's an Aboriginal convention that we're ministering at down there, which will be very exciting and a little bit different. So uh, I, I think that's kind of cool. Um, if you have a Bible, please open to Joshua chapter 1. If you have the whole of Joshua 1 memorized, that's pretty cool too. But uh, God spoke to me this week. You know, we talk all the time about the Lord speaking to us. And he really spoke to me this week. He speaks to me many times, but I want to share with you exactly word for word what he said to me this week. We're going to spend a bit of time in Joshua 1 because that's when the leadership was passed from Moses on to Joshua and Joshua has to come through and actually take the land. He has to take possession of the promised land. And in verse 11, it says this. Now, I was on Wednesday morning, I was in my quiet time and this verse just jumped off the page to me and it said this. <clears throat> Verse 11 in Joshua 1, pass through the midst of the camp and prepare the people. Prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. That was on Wednesday morning. God gave me that out of the scriptures. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, on Friday at 5 p.m. we held the possession of the keys of our new premises and it's settled. Three days. How good is that? I love it when he speaks to me that, that plainly, three days. They called me up on the Thursday and they said, look, we don't think we can settle. This hasn't happened, this hasn't happened, this hasn't happened. And I said, that's not an option. God said three days. You've got to do it in three days. <laughs> so they did it in three days. In the, at the 11th hour in three days. How good is that? Fantastic. You know, as we gear up to move into our new home... Our new world is going to look different. An inner city church will attract different people. Finances will be different. Security needs an upgrade. Uh, and fa the faith we need will have, uh, to follow the Lord in this will have to deepen as we follow the Lord into our promised land, which is down the road here in Nambour. So I want to inspire you. If you're new in, in the place here, we're just on the verge. I'm hoping in the next month to six weeks that we'll be able to prepare down there and be able to move and start having church right in the middle of Nambour town, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? that we can be right in the middle of our local community here. So I want to inspire you and encourage you this morning that as we look to improve the building and get started down there at Short Street, there are so many things to do. We've got to low, lower floors. We've got to knock out walls. We've got to change electrical stuff. We've got to put security stuff in, paint stuff. There's so many things to do. But while we, we'll have a team of guys sort of working on this down there, preparing all of that, I want you to prepare your heart too. Because this is a big move, not just for the church, but I believe it's going to be the greatest move in our history and possibly your history as well. Because I believe God's going to open up new opportunities, fresh opportunities, don't you? There's going to be stuff that will be going on down there. That, that will, you know, you won't have the opportunity to do up here. We, we have a, a beautiful building here, a hundred-year-old building that Lily House is going to uh, come and take over, which is exciting. But there are people in this community right down the road here at Wombai who don't know we exist. I meet people all the time. They say, which church are you pastor at? I say, the little white chapel on the hill. They go, oh, is there a church up there? You, 
because people, you know, we're not in the community. We're sort of in about the community, but we'll have the chance to be right in the middle of the community. So I want to go through uh, a few things that I believe God is going to do in your life as we prepare to move ahead. And hopefully it doesn't look like that. How many of you have lived through this? Tony? Yes. You did this recently. Tara and Raymond did it. Who's moved in the last six months? A couple of us. Yeah, you guys did it as well. Who enjoyed it? <laughs> I like being there. I don't like the, the process. <laughs> Gabriel enjoyed it. Of course he did. <laughs> That's because your whole job was put that there. Do that. Move that. <laughs> it's great to be, to be in a position where we're able to move into a new premises. It's the dream coming true, folks, and it's happening right here. It's happened very quickly. They usually expect it to take six months to a year for this to happen. It's taken three. That's through to settlement. It's been an incredible miracle of God, both for us and for Lily House. So I want to go through some things that I believe you can do in your life or, or you can discover in your life as we start to look towards actually moving down. The first thing is you need to get called. See, if you're a believer, consider yourself called. Don't sit around waiting for a light bulb moment. If you know Jesus, you are called by God to serve him somewhere in his kingdom. may not be as a pastor or a leader, but you're called to something if you are obedient. Now, some people experience a radical calling of God on their life. Um, you know, Isaiah, Moses, these guys, the incredible calls of God in, on their life. But a lot of people kind of just grow into it as well. And so... I don't know what your calling is like on your life, if you even know you have a calling. Many people who become Christians, their calling goes no further than just repenting and receiving Christ. I think, well, that's it. But if that was it, we would get saved and go straight to heaven. Why don't we go straight to heaven? It'd be a lot simpler, wouldn't it? Because there's stuff for us to do. God's called us to serve him and to be part of his plan to reach this lost world. We're not here just as window dressing. Some of you might look like window dressing. I definitely don't. I think this business with masks is probably an advantage for some, of, some people, me in particular. My wife says it's great. You only have to do your makeup from here up. <laughs> Lipstick sales have gone through the floor because they're making us wear masks. But, you know, I believe that we all have a calling. We don't just come to Christ and that's it. He has plans to help us serve him and reach this lost world. Now, Moses experienced a very direct, dramatic and arresting call, the burning bush, if you look at Exodus chapter 3. It was sort of the ultimate supernatural calling. You remember the story. The bush was burning. He went over to check it out. And the bush was not consumed, even though there was a fire there. And in verse 4, note his initial response. It says this, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Moses replied, here I am. If you heard a voice calling out of a burning bush, here I am is a pretty good reply. And that's what he did. However, you could definitely argue that Moses had experienced the calling of God long before he hit the burning bush. Because right back from his early day, he had a miraculous birth. And then you remember when he took matters into his own hands and killed the Egyptian? See, God was using all of these events through his life leading up to this point where he had the burning bush experience. And there's a great clue in this because often the calling of God occurs gently and subtly and it occurs early on, sometimes even before you're a Christian. 
Sometimes he, you know, you've got skills and talents and gifts that, that God takes and anoints and you had them before you became a Christian. But he takes those and uses those to his glory and his kingdom. So for Moses, the most significant thing was that when God called, he said, here I am. And that's what you should do. When God calls you, you need to say, here I am. You know, pick up. If you see a call on your phone and it says, God, pick it up. Don't just, just, don't just ignore it. I get all these um, calls from these numbers I don't know. And when I, when I answer them, there's some Indian bloke telling me that my internet's about to get cut off and I need to pay him a million dollars and stuff like that. But if you get a call from God, it's not going to be that sort of call. He's going to have something incredible, amazing that you can be a part of. See, Ephesians 2 verse 10 is a great verse. It comes straight after Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which talks about by grace we are saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one should boast. So there's no, it's not by works that you're saved. You are saved by faith. Do I hear an amen to that? But the very next verse tells us how works fits in verse 10 for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared beforehand that we should work uh, walk in them so God has been preparing the way beforehand for what he is calling you and us as a church to do now the Greek word for prepare beforehand is the word proetomazo Sounds very Italian, but it is in fact Greek, which is derived from the ancient custom of sending envoys ahead of the king preparing the way. You know where it says, prepare ye the way of the Lord? That was an ancient custom. They would send, send diplomats ahead and say, prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way, the king is coming. But it, it also brings to mind the idea of a builder forming up concrete by, by putting a, a form around it so that when the concrete is poured, it has shape. See, God has been and is still moving way ahead of us, preparing a way for us to reach our people, our town, our nation, our area. And he's been preparing this. And I don't believe that God wants any of us to miss out on this opportunity. You don't want to die and just look back on your life and say, well, what have I done? What a waste. I'm sure most of you will want to do something significant and eternal for God. Am I right? You want to do something. I want to try something that's so outrageous that without God, it's destined to fail. But it has to be the word of the Lord and his guidance and his leading. But I tell you, if you've had a long held dream in your heart of something, you know, the Lord has laid on your heart, just stick with us. We've been... It's been a little bit hard to juggle everything at the moment. But as we move into the new place, I'm telling you, opportunities are going to open that you would not believe that are going to allow you to move into the area that God has called you into. We run a couple of courses here. We haven't done it you know, post-COVID very much, but we run a couple of courses. We call them 101 and 201. And we, we look at your gifts, where you feel God has called you and how you fit into the whole sort of ignite structure and it's exciting because so many people discover that they have gifts that they didn't even know about but God has a plan and a purpose for you to come so and it doesn't matter how clever or talented or gifted you are God's more interested in your availability than your ability so the first step when God calls is to pick up and say Lord here I am I'm listening I'm ready to obey as Isaiah said here am I Lord send me now, the second thing you need to get is to get courageous. 
Going into a new situation, any new situation, takes courage. Going into the promised land and possessing the promised land, Joshua had to have courage, didn't he? And there's not a lot of courage around at times. We, our, our heart tends to get faint, but we need to realize that anybody plus God is a majority. Isn't that true? Who shall we fear? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so Joshua went in with that attitude. If you look in Joshua 1 verses 6 and 7, it says this, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. There's a key in there. What's God saying? He's saying that if we are to be successful in growing our church, if you are to be successful in doing something significant for God, we need to be courageous. And if you look around at the church in this country, there's an epidemic of weakness, of worldliness and worldly culture infiltrating the church, leaving many Many leaders in churches fearful of making decisions at all. Our preoccupation with consensus or with tolerance and political correctness has a stranglehold on what we'll even attempt. We're too frightened to upset people by trying something new and different. But that needs to stop because nothing in life or in ministry happens apart from courage. I mean, ultimately, someone has to pull the trigger. Someone has to have a go. They have to step up and try. I mean, think about it. You can, you can discuss it. You can ponder it. You can have ideas. You can, you can sort of figure things out and you can, you know, plan. and all. But at the end of the day, someone has to step up to the crease with a bat in his hand and bat. Someone has to do something. You know, we can talk about it or dream about it, but ultimately someone has to do something. And as we move to our new digs, it's going to take courage. And it's going to be, we're going to have to be full of courage. That passage says, it's interesting, it says to be strong and courageous to go and take the land. Okay, we get that. Then it says be strong and very courageous to do what the law says. Now, isn't it interesting that he uses very courageous when it comes to obeying the law and just courageous when it comes to moving into the promised land? James 2.17 says this, by faith, faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, three times God reminded Joshua to be strong and courageous. He used those two words, strong and courageous. And he even used a very when it came to the word of God. So the, the Hebrew word for strong is the word hazak, which refers to sound legs. You know, a sort of a, a short, stocky guy who's got very strong, you know, little, little short, stocky. That's what it means, strong legs. And the word for courage is the word amas, which refers to having a secure grasp. So what Joshua's success as a leader is dependent on two things, standing strong and holding on tight. Joshua had already proven his ability to stand before the opposition that he faced 40 years earlier. Do you remember? So this time they're moving into the promised land. This is the big one. But they could have done it 40 years earlier except they sent 10, uh, 12 spies out, 10 came back with a bad report, and the people chose to believe the bad report. You remember that? There were two people who didn't have a bad report, Caleb and Joshua, and they're the only two men of that generation who survived to this point now. 
Caleb's still with us and Joshua's still with us and they're about to take the promised land. The dream is about to come true. But you remember back in that time, they stood against everybody else, against the whole of the nation and said, no, we are well able when everyone else said it can't happen. There is no shortage of people who will whinge and complain and tell you it can't happen. No shortage of them. Even now, there's no shortage of people who say, oh, I don't think that's such a good move for you, whatever. I don't care because God's spoken to us. He's opened the door and we are moving through with courage, are we not? To take the land that the Lord has given us. See, God's message to Joshua urges us forward at this moment in our history. We need to stand strong and we need to hold on tight to the promises of God. That's what we need to do going forward. The third thing is to get connected. See, if, what we've seen during this COVID time is quite a few people have dropped out of stuff. Have you noticed that? People say, oh, it's just too hard to get to church and all that sort of stuff. I understand that. We had a period of time when we had time off. But I'm telling you, this is a moment we need to get connected. I want to urge all of us to stay connected at this time because blessing is coming and impact in our community is about to happen. And I don't want any of you to miss out because this is our most exciting time. Now more than ever before, we need to be connected. We have to be connected to the community. We have to be connected to each other. And most of all, we have to be connected to God. So how do you connect with God? You stay in your quiet times. I said earlier... I spent time in the Word of God. God speaks to me almost every day out of this in some powerful, profound way. This, this is not, it is an iPad, but it is the Bible on it, I can assure you. I'm not on Facebook. Um, I'm actually reading the Word of God when I'm using this. But, you know, the Word of God is described as being living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It is not just a book. It's not just something you put on a shelf to collect dust on. It is the Word of God. And he can use that and quicken it to our spirit. He combines the written word and suddenly something jumps out of the page and speaks to us like it did for me this week. Jesus said, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear that much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I don't know about you, but I want to bear much fruit as we go down there, don't you? I don't want to go down there and play church. I want to go down there and make a difference in this world and in this nation, don't you? We can only do it as we abide, as we live in connection with God. The second thing we need to stay connected to is church. Because in our new position, we'll be able to do so much more for the kingdom if we stand together in unity. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but certainly as the pastor, I'm aware of it. There are always attacks on unity. There are always people getting mad at other people because they don't have the same beliefs. I tell you, it's got to stop. We've got to let that stuff just go and join on what we can agree on. You know, I don't expect that unity is not when we all agree together. It's when we agree to disagree agreeably. And we have tremendous unity in this place. We really do. But there are constant attacks and I'm constantly moving to, to sort of, you know, chop those off because disunity will kill us, folks. If you want to see this church die, bring disunity in. It'll kill any church anywhere. Unity is the key. doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, but you agree on the important things. If you tell me that you need to be saved by works, we're going to disagree. And I can't be in unity on that because that's a, that's a really important thing. 
But if you tell me God's doing this or God's saying this or whatever your emphasis or bent is, we, can, we don't have to be into the same things. We can still be friends and still be in unity. I mean, think about it. You can go for different football teams and we still get on, mostly. <laughs> you know, we have a, a lot of people from overseas in our church who, who've come here and made their home. You know, New Zealanders and South Africans, and we're all friends until the football comes. And then suddenly, it's like, you know. But we can still love one another and be in unity, even if we have different bents and different understandings. Colossians 2 verse 19 says this, holding fast to the head from which the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If we want to grow with a growth from God, we need to be joined together. We need to be connected together. The third thing we need to connect with is people. We need to stay connected to people in this world because they need to hear the gospel and we should be ready and willing to share the gospel, shouldn't we? I was talking to one of our tenants down there. He's a guy who makes orthopedic shoes. His name's Michael. He's a lovely bloke. And uh, we were talking for quite a while the other day and he's sort of just trying to get his head around that there's a church that's going to be there. And, he's, and I said, if you think it's hard for you, think about the tattoo guy. That's weird, you know. <laughs> but he's sort of just trying to get his head around. And we talked for ages. And he kept saying, I'm not a religious person, but... And then we'd have a spiritual discussion. <laughs> really? I think you are. You're just, you're just in the wrong camp, man. Come on board and we'll show you the truth, you know. But we, if, if we alienate these guys, how are we going to reach them? We have to stay connected to the people in our community. 1 Peter 3 says this, In your hearts honour Christ as Lord, as holy. Always being prepared to make a defence for anyone who asks you to give for the reason for the hope that you have. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes we are not gentle, neither are we respectful when it comes to how we relate to people outside of the church. Am I right? Um, I was talking to Phil earlier. There he is over here. He was telling me in his new job, he got to deliver a bunch of pavers to a guy, finished up having this huge spiritual discussion with him. So this guy is going to not only deliver your hardware needs, he is going to minister to your soul at the same time. I love that. I love it that he's out there. I know many of you are connecting with people all the time. So now more than ever, we need to stay connected, not neglecting to meet one another, with one another, but to stay connected connected together to God, to each other, and to our community. The fourth thing is to get committed. You know, commitment takes courage, but it also takes commitment seeing it through. Galatians 6 verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I don't know about you, but I am tired. I have been dealing with lawyers and and banks and real estate guys for months now and I'm just tired I'm not sad I'm not angry I'm just exhausted it's it's just it sort of ground me down in a sense how many of you have been like that recently where life has kind of just ground you down I'm telling you you need to set your your face like flint to see it through Joshua about to invade the promised land he had to decide to see it through he had to get fully committed to the program and get the job done he couldn't dabble. He couldn't get distracted. He dare not start the job and give up. 
And that's the same spirit that we need now. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. See, before us, folks, in this church, and if you're new to it, I'm, you know, I'm speaking to our people, but you're most welcome. Come and join us. It's going to be awesome because God has given us one of the greatest opportunities that you or I will ever have in ministry. It's like a blank slate. And whatever the Lord lays on your heart can very easily happen because everything is going to be new. It's going to be completely different. But it will only work if we pull together to a common goal of reaching our nation for Christ. Is anybody with me? We want to reach our people. The fifth thing is to get concentrated. You know, Joshua 1 verse 7 says this, Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. It is so, so tempting to turn to one side or the other, isn't it? Do you find that? We have this, I don't know if it's modern mankind, it's certainly this shiny object syndrome where I'm concentrating on something really important and something flashes in my peripheral vision. I wonder what that was. You know? Is anybody here like that? Only men. Only the fellas, right? Maybe not. It's so tempting for us to get sidetracked with things that are good, but they're not God. They're not God's best for us. So whatever your, your pet theology is, whatever your Christian bent, it's time to just lay it aside and pull together to win our nation for Jesus. Do I hear an amen to that? Amen. Philippians 3 verse 13, this one thing I do, Paul says, not 50 things I do, this one thing I do, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, we will achieve nothing if we're not focused on serving the Lord first. So you can throw yourself into many things in life, but the, most of the things we strive for are worth nothing in the long run. Nothing. Some of the things that we put so much time and effort into ultimately are worth nothing in eternity. If we concentrate on nothing else, let's seek the will of God for our lives, for our families and for our church. See, Joshua could not be half-hearted or self-seeking. He was there to take people into their destiny in the promised land. And he had to forsake all the side issues. He had to, let, he had to keep the main thing, the main thing, which was serving the Lord and, and leading his people into the promised land. That was his main thing. Our main thing is to win our people for Jesus. He had to press on to win the prize and so do we. And finally, we need to get constructing. See, over the next few weeks... We're going to be doing some building down there. We're going to be doing some demolition and they won't let me hold a, a hammer and swing it. So I'll have to find something else to do. But there's going to be some demolition, but there's also going to be some building. There's some quite major things that we need to do. And uh, it's exciting, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. But while that is being built, we need to be building things in our heart too. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, it says this. So you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. We sang that this morning. Being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
God is building us as a church so that we can go in there and build the church in there as well. God is building the church here at Ignite and you are a part of it or you can be a part of it. And I want to challenge you this morning. Now that we've actually got it, now that we hold the keys in our hands, it's no longer a thought or a dream. It's an actual thing that we actually own this place, that we're actually able to pour lots of money into it to make it what we want. I want to encourage you to get involved in some way. And it's not going to be building and that sort of stuff, but as the church grows, as things happen, keep your heart open and your attitude open so that the Lord will lay something on your heart where you can do something incredible for Christ. But remember this, Psalm 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. If we are building this house just to build a name, We are laboring in vain because this is all about God and his kingdom. It is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about our church. It's about the kingdom of God. We need to know God's leading and be courageous and single-minded enough to follow it and obey. It reminds me of that verse in Matthew chapter 6. With so many things to worry about, coordinate and arrange, at times I just feel overwhelmed with stuff. I really do. I don't know about you, but I do. But listen to these two verses in Matthew 6. The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. See, as we face our destiny, we need to lay our agendas, whatever it might, what sort of floats our boat aside, and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And as we seek the kingdom of God, you get the whole lot anyway. Because he knows what you need. He will supply all of your needs if you seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what we've got to do. This is not about building a church. It's not about anything. It's about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Because I can't build the church. You can't build the church. Who builds the church? The Spirit of God builds the church. And he doesn't build it if we keep having committee meetings and try and force this through and rewrite a constitution. That's all man stuff. That's fine. But that's not God building his church. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the other stuff just follows. Isn't that exciting? And I believe God is going to build something incredible over the coming years in there. You know, um, there's there's a hotel next to where we're moving. What's it called? The the beach house thank you and they they have just undergone reconstruction where there used to be tables they put poker machines and they've moved the tables to another spot and I thought wow that's how to make money put poker no I didn't um (laughs) but so they've got this new we're not putting poker machines in all right I'm just saying but they've got this they've got this new area where they're all where you can sit down and eat so I walked in there the other day I said we better check this place out given that it's next door to us now and we walked in we started chatting with the lady there at the table she said oh thanks for coming in this the new refurb place I said well we should be in here we're moving in next door really what's going on I said we're a church we're moving in next door oh 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 okay okay um you know look for every opportunity it's just a conversation I felt like saying to a man, when, me, when, me, when we move in, you need to put on extra staff on Sunday. 
But I didn't say that because I'm not sure when it's actually happening. But how do we know God's will? If we seek first his kingdom, how do we know God's will? Let's go back to Joshua 1. How did Joshua know God's will? Joshua 1 verse 8. Listen to this. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything according to, uh, to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Who wants prosperity and success? Well, listen, the ultimately success for the Christian or a church is fulfilling God's purpose for your life. It's not money. It's about fulfilling God's purpose for your life. That's what success is. And Joshua needed to find it. Israel needed to find it. And we need to find it now. How do we do it? We have to meditate on Scripture. So I know we have have a Bible reading plan. And I know many of you do that Bible reading plan. You read it through, uh, you know, a couple of chapters a day. It's great. Lots of people do it. I encourage every single one of you. Some people say, I'm too busy to read the Bible. Well, you're too busy to get on Facebook. Are you too busy to watch the news? You know, I, like, there will be time in your day. If you, if you are serious, there will be time in your day when you can set it aside to read the Word of God. But I want to challenge all of us here. That verse there in Joshua goes way beyond just reading the Word of God. The word for meditate is the Hebrew word hagar, which means to mutter or to growl. It means to repeat the words over and over again under your breath. To meditate on something is to think about it, to dwell on it, to roll it over and over in your mind in much the same way a cow chews its cud. Does anybody here spend any time with cows? I have as well. I used to have cows that were so tame when they were sitting down in the shade I could go and sit down kind of and lean back on their tummies and read a book for a while in the shade with the cows. And it was a noisy experience because... (laughs) There's lots of rumbles and burps and all sorts of stuff going because cows have multiple stomachs. And so they chew a bit of grass and they, they chew it down and then later on they bring it up again, chew it a bit more and bring it down and bring it And like they chew it constantly. And that's what that verse is saying. You need to put the word of God in your life and chew on it all the time. Think about it. Maybe memorize a scripture too. Why not talk to your friends about it? Why not talk to your, your, your wife or your husband or your parents about it? Why not say, hey, did you read that? Do you read that passage this morning? What do you think of that? Chew on it, folks. So I want to encourage all of you not just to read the Word of God, but to chew on it. As we prepare to move, I'm asking you to pray and ask God where you see yourself fitting into these plans around here. But I want you to chew on the Word of God because God will show you. There are going to be tons of things that you can get involved in. We're not going to force you to get involved in stuff. If you don't want to get involved with stuff, that's fine. But you're missing out because God has plans and purposes. Don't you want to be in the middle of those? Boy, I do. And it might be, you know, in the welcome team or in, in the pre- part of our prayer groups. Uh, it could be, you know, leading worship on stage or leading a group or cleaning or street witnessing or serving coffee or working with teens or kids. Every part, however, small, however, seemingly insignificant forms the whole. And what you, what you long to see, what we long to see at this church is that everybody's just pulling together and God blends it all together into this beautiful thing called church, called the body. And that's, that's, 
my desire for you. So we're not moving down there just to go into a new place. We're not moving down there because it's a good financial decision. God is strategically placing us to reach our people for him. And I want you to be a part of it. There are opportunities. I want you to pray on it, chew on God's word, mull it over, talk about it with your friends, talk about it with each other and chew on it because God is doing something incredible and I want you to be involved. Don't miss out. This is the greatest opportunity to serve him and make a difference in this nation. I've always looked back on history and thought, I wonder what it would be like to live back in those days. You know, if you look back at, at, at the world wars, what would it be like to have been a soldier around at that time? What would it have been like to be a civilian at that time? If you look back on the different parts of history. Now, now I'm a little bit older. I look back and people are saying, were you around when 9-11 happened? Yeah, actually I was. <laughs> you know, all these significant times in history. But I believe one day we'll look back and say, were you around at that moment in history? when God called this church into the middle of its community. Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Why don't you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would care for us. But Lord, as we face this move, as it comes into reality, as we face this moment in history, when we're able to, to move to a new premises, when we're able to reach a different form of people, different type of person, Lord God. We just pray that you would lead and guide our steps. We don't want to turn to the right or to the left, but as Joshua said, we want to just keep moving straight with you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now and just over the coming weeks, show us where we can fit in. Show us where we can be a part of this. Because God has a plan and a purpose for us. And you're part of it as well. All of us, just as we wrap it up here, I want you to say these words with me. You ready? Say this with me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Isaiah said those words. Moses said those words. And now you've just said those words. Let's live as we mean it. Here are my Lord, send me. Lord, I pray that you would lead us and guide us as we move, as we haul this all together. Keep us in unity, Lord God, I pray for in unity there the Lord bestows a blessing, even life forevermore. With all of our differences and quirks and that sort of stuff, Lord, keep us in unity, we pray. And as we move ahead into what you have for us, Lord, I pray that you would lead and guide our steps, that, the, that your word, that we would meditate on it and chew on it, that we would not put a step to the right or to the left, but would follow you all the way through what is going on. Father, we just commit this to you, this move to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Who's excited? Who hasn't seen it yet? Some of you haven't seen it yet? Well, you'll have to come down and check it out in the next little while. We'll be, I'm away this coming week, and uh, Leanne is away. My friend Eric's going to lead worship. Josh is going to preach, and uh, we've got a conference and that sort of stuff on as well.
So there's a lot happening in this next couple of weeks, but I just want to encourage you, hang in there and keep seeking God. Can you do that for me? Can you keep meditating? Can you keep chewing on it? Because God is doing something incredible and I don't want to miss out and I don't want you to miss out. God is doing something amazing here. And there is a place for him to raise you up. I was going to have groups this morning because we haven't had groups in a while. But it's pretty hard when you all have to wear masks. It's hard enough with the noise in this room without wearing masks. But when you put masks on, it takes, hey, can you hear me, to kind of like that. So I guess we probably shouldn't do that. But I want to encourage you to stick around, talk to one another, and uh, don't forget to chew on God's word. Can you do that for me? Chew on God's word this week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.